Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Rich Keeter puts the white flag in the air. Ty Majeski one more time around the racetrack. Trying to put a period on what has been a dominating performance all evening long. Took the lead on lap 40. Never looked back. Ty Majeski, no pressure out front or behind. He's on his way to three and four for the final time. Ty Majeski, after going winless in the regular season, makes a statement tonight. He will win the opening race of the playoffs. He takes the T-Sport 200 to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Well, we're peaking at the right time. This is exactly when we peaked last year, and uh, we're looking like we're, we're trending the same direction. So uh, hopefully this is just the start of our playoff run. Uh, we want to go and uh, win Milwaukee, right? That's my home race. Go win Kansas. We, you know, we have, we've had great trucks at all, all those places. Obviously, Milwaukee, we're going to, we're back to for the first time, but Kansas is a good, been a good track for us. And uh, Bristol and Homestead we've won at, and uh, Phoenix, we're, we're in the mix at the end. So obviously that's the end goals. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we are getting down to the nitty-gritty of the NASCAR Cup Series regular season, heading off this weekend to Watkins Glen International. Coming up on today's show, we're going to chat with the 14th different winner in the NASCAR Cup Series this year, Michael McDowell. He pulled it off over the weekend at Indianapolis, winning the Verizon 200. We will check in with McDriver and take his temperature as we get set to head to the Glen this weekend. We're also going to do a deep dive on the history of road course ringers in NASCAR. You know, those drivers that come in with a one-off here, one-off there, dive into how they have fared over the years. Also, Cole Custer will tell us what it's going to take to get his third road course win of 2023. Of course, Cole winning the first two in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. College Racing's Matt Swiderski catches up with Steve Post and Todd Gordon. Plus, we'll give you a full Go Bowling at the Glen preview and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is back with the latest of NASCAR headlines. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, numerous NASCAR Cup Series drivers will be pulling double duty this weekend at Watkins Glen. Ross Chastain is the latest to join the entry list of the Shriners Children's 200 at the Glen NASCAR Xfinity Series race. Chastain will be back behind the wheel of the number 91 DGM Racing Chevrolet Camaro. Other drivers entered in the event include Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, and Ty Gibbs. 
One NASCAR Cup Series driver making an appearance in this weekend's ARCA action is Corey LaJoy. The 31-year-old will drive the number 63 Paris-Wixon Racing Chevrolet during Friday's General Tire 100 at the Glen. LaJoy last raced in an ARCA-sanctioned event in 2016 as he claimed the checkered flag at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And today is the second and final day of Goodyear Tire testing on the Oval at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Chase Briscoe, Alex Bowman, and Ty Gibbs are participating for each manufacturer. It is yet to be announced whether or not the NASCAR Cup Series will return to the famed two-and-a-half-mile circuit next season. Mike? Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Michael McDowell will join us and discuss his emotional win over the weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And later, we'll tell you about some of the best road course ringers to ever put on a helmet. Outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It seems there's at least one race a year where the entire garage comes out to congratulate a feel-good winner. And that happened this past weekend in Indianapolis. That race, the Verizon 200, belonged to Michael McDowell at day's end. That win got him into the playoffs. Our Jason Toy had a chance to visit with Michael and discuss being locked in to the 2023 playoffs for the second time in his career. So career win number two, you get the first win at probably one of the biggest stages in NASCAR at the at the Cup Series and the Daytona 500. You fast forward to this past weekend, one of the, the most iconic tracks behind you over your left shoulder is the trophy from the Brickyard. That nice little brick right there for the Verizon yeah. 200 win. How iconic is it to pick up your second win at a place like Indianapolis? Oh, I mean, it's amazing. You can't even imagine that that would be how it would play out, right? I mean, there's just, um, you never know in the Cup Series when, when you're going to hit on something and have a car that's capable of winning. I mean, but, you know, at the same time, we probably, if you said, hey, what are the five races that are most likely for you to win? I mean, we would say super speedways and road courses. Those are probably our best chance. So, it's it's pretty special. I mean, it's special to to be a Daytona 500 winner and now win at Brickyard is is crazy. And you know, it's just it's different, right? I think it's hard to describe for a lot of people. Is every race win is special, but there's more to just winning Daytona and just winning Indy. It's just everything that goes around it with the history of the facility and the sport and victory lane and kissing the bricks or or for the indy 500 drinking the milk or the trophy or just what it all means right and so this is special because of what that victory celebration is like you know taking your car up the elevator to victory circle there taking your team and your family down to kiss the bricks and it doesn't get much cooler than than winning at daytona and winning at indy well, for you, and I, I got to admit, I, I saw you uh, talk about this earlier in the week. 
how hungry did it make you after Chicago? Shane Van Gisbergen comes in. You know, it, that was a race I'm sure you had circled. That'll be an opportunity yeah. for you guys to, to pick up a win. He comes in and, and beats everybody. What's the hunger that that put into you going into this race weekend? Yeah, it was a big motivator. And I hope that it doesn't come off wrong because I don't, yeah. want, I don't want it to sound like this. But to me, that's what I felt like I was going to do at the Chicago Street Course. I mean, I anticipated with my background of having some street course experience, our road course program being where it's at, kind of where we're at as a race team. I felt like we were going to go there and we were going to be the car, the team to beat. And we just weren't. We weren't. And, you know, I put some of that on me of uh, things that I've definitely learned after and some of the things that we learned from a setup standpoint. But seeing him do that, man, it was tough because there's nothing short of just sensational for him to come in and beat everybody that badly. But it made me frustrated. I mean, I was mad that, not that he did, but that, man, why don't, I'm not challenging myself enough. I'm not asking enough of myself, obviously. I mean, if a guy that can come in here that's never sat in our car, that sits on the other side of the, the car, at his, I mean, he's not even the same, right? And he can go put it to us like that. I need to go to work. I need to figure out how to be better. Now, my background's road racing, and we all know that, but at the same time, I've been in NASCAR for 16 years. I'm an oval guy. That's what I do now. I don't race road courses every weekend. I'm I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so the experience that I have is from so long ago that it just made me go to work of like, what are guys doing differently now? How are they approaching it? What are they maximizing? What are they doing? Um, and yeah, there's definitely a hunger there. And, you know, on all fronts, you know, car development as well. And, you know, figuring out maybe we need a fresh perspective and new eyes to, or a new way to look at certain things. And so, yeah, we went to work and um, it, it was a motivator for sure. Well, I'm going to talk about your crew chief right now. And the big thing yeah. too, you know, you got the big win with Drew, with Drew, you had Blake with you and you guys had a series of top 10 finishes and some good runs there, but you also had an opportunity to uh, pick up with the new car. And that was a big thing for you. We always talk about the great equalizer with that. Yeah. And then Blake moves on, you bring in Travis and it doesn't seem like you got guys have skipped the beat you guys are continually having great runs week in and week out yeah it's been good you know i think that the next gen car was a big step forward for us at front row no doubt about it that that helped us get to that next level kind of a little bit level playing field and same parts and pieces and we weren't running you know i'm not going to say our cars were old prior to that but we just weren't going to catch up to the big teams because even though we were developing they were developing faster i mean we were just never going to close that gap and so when the next gen car came it's like okay we're all the same and we have a window of opportunity before these guys figure every small little detail out where we gotta you gotta hit some home runs and so you know last year i felt like we we put together a lot of great finishes and you know we had I think we had 12 top 10s, which was really strong for us. And um, and then obviously running that well makes makes it tough because 
those people are attractive. And yeah, so it wasn't just Blake. I mean, Blake was a, you know, a tremendous asset and obviously he had a great opportunity. And I mean, who, who wouldn't uh, want to go to Hendrick and, and do uh, what he's getting to do. So nobody blamed him here. We all understood that it's, you know, a great opportunity for him and his family. And if it was just him, we'd have been okay, but it wasn't just him. We lost our engineer, our lead at race engineer, our second engineer, front end mechanic, underneath guy, interior guy truck driver you go down the list we lost everybody and so that was a tough off season finding travis was a you know great home run for us but there's so many other spots that we filled in that we did really well in um and so the, it appears that we haven't missed a beat and i could see that from a performance standpoint i just want to one year keep all my guys and <laughs> and see what we can do year two, right? Like you take this group right now and you give us another full year together and we're going to be really good, really good. And and that's not just Travis, that's that's from the top down. And so I'm excited about where we can go and, and what we can do. And I'm thankful that we got great people and it's tough. You know, you just don't know how chemistry is going to go. You don't know how it's all going to come together. Travis has done a great job. I knew he would though. The reason that he's here is because I went and got him and he was the guy I wanted. And it wasn't like, uh, well, let's take a chance. And it wasn't taking a chance to me. I knew what I needed and I knew what I wanted and he was it. All the other pieces that came together collectively was amazing because you don't always get that chemistry that we have as a group. So it's it's been good. Well, you know, you got all of them together here for the next 12 races. So two more to go before the playoffs. You're locked in. I know that makes you rest a little bit easier, but you've got two more tracks here this week at Watkins Glen, Daytona next week that you obviously can do very well at too. How do you feel about wrapping up the regular season? And what are your thoughts going into round one of the playoffs? So I feel great about wrapping up the regular season, not just because we won and we're in, but these are our best tracks and we knew it. We knew it last week and we knew it three weeks ago when we were struggling and, and Bubba was scoring all those points. We're like, oh, if we could just stay close, when we get to these final three, we'll be able to close that gap and get to where we need to get. So, you know, we can go to Watkins Glen and have the same speed that we had at Indy and challenge. You know, I'm, I would love to say we're going to go there and go two in a row. And I think that the, that's a possibility, but we all know how hard it is to win cup races. But I bet you we have speed. I bet you we unload in the top 10 and top five and make it to the second round and do what we do at these road courses and give ourselves another shot at it. I'm really excited about Daytona, not just because of how well we run there, but going to Daytona in a must-win situation or even managing points is almost impossible um, because you look at those stages and you can go from second to 12th in one corner, depending on how the draft goes and what lane you're in and what's moving. Um, so I'm thankful that I'm not going to have to be in that pressure cooker of being, you know, slightly in or slightly out going to Daytona because that is, that's a tough place for that to happen. Um, but it also, for me, it kind of goes there with a lot of freedom to go and, and learn a few things. I think this next gen car race is a little bit different. Um, I've done well in this next gen car at super speedways, but I don't think I as good as I was in the older car. And so there's some things that I need to work on. Having a little bit of freedom to do that, I think will be good. And that'll help me for Talladega. And just um, having, you know, a little less pressure. And I feel like at Daytona, 
The, the road courses, the pressure helps me. It helps me stay focused. Daytona, I feel like coming in there a little bit lighter helps you make better decisions in those, those moments. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm excited about the next few weeks. All right, man. Congratulations again. Big win. Looking forward to the playoffs. All the best to you and the family and the entire team there at Front Row. Big win for you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Coming up, we'll honor some of the names that made the term road course ringer famous. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's not here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Road course ringers have stepped back into the spotlight in the past few years. With this past weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it featured stars from F1, Australian V8 supercars, sports cars, and more. But before the likes of Shane Van Gisbergen and Jensen Button came to NASCAR, There was a storied history of drivers who made the term ringer cool. Tim Catalfemo explains. 2023 has been a year of rebirth for the road course ringer. Ringer is the term that has been affectionately used to describe the drivers who come into NASCAR from different disciplines on weekends when the series turns both left and right. While the term has come back into focus this year, thanks to the next-gen race car and even more so, Shane Van Gisbergen, the history of ringers in NASCAR stretches back throughout the sport's entire history. The original NASCAR ringer might have been Dan Gurney, the California driver moonlighted in the Cup Series in the 60s while also competing in Formula One. While Gurney only has 16 starts in the series to his name, he won in a staggering five of those, all at Riverside International Raceway. Gurney's ability to just step in and win at the track is likely something the sport will never see again. Three of his five wins there took place in a year where that was the only NASCAR race he competed in. Gurney, however, wasn't the only ringer to have success at Riverside. It's such a tremendous gamble when you put a product like that out against the others and put your name on it, hope for victory. Here, American Motors is about to cross the line and prove themselves a performance vehicle in the toughest stock car racing there is, the most competitive automobile racing in the world. Mark Donahue wins the Winston Western 500 at the Riverside International Raceway this afternoon. Donahue has done it. Prior to this year, the win in the 1973 season opener by Mark Donahue was the last win by a ringer in the Cup Series. The win came for Roger Penske in Donahue's fifth career start. While the sport went many decades without a ringer winning in the Cup Series, the 1990s and 2000s might have been the glory days for NASCAR ringers, with a few drivers in particular making that possible. Heading home off turn number 11 will be Ron Fellows. He was first in 1998, second in 1999, first last year, and now first yet again. Ron Fellows returns to victory lane at Watkins Glen. The most successful ringer of this time frame is undoubtedly Ron Fellows. From 1997 to 
into 2008, Fellows won six times across the Truck and Xfinity Series, with five of those wins coming at Watkins Glen. The wins led to the Canadian driver getting Cup Series opportunities, most notably scoring a second-place finish in the Cup race at the Glen in 2004. Fellows also became somewhat of a coach for many of the drivers, with Kevin Harvick even crediting Fellows with changing road course racing forever. Ron was always good. He did great on the ovals as well in, in, in the truck series and, and had a short stint of that, but definitely somebody everybody looked up to to, to help kind of change the course of road course racing and, and how you looked at it and, and the things that went with it. Because when I started, the road courses were like, oh, we got to go to the road courses, so let's just find a car, we'll find a motor, we'll go out there and we'll make some laps and we'll go home. Now it's, you know, it's it's very it's very technical and, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of the, the things that go with it are many of the things that they pushed then but you just it wasn't as it wasn't as competitive in the early 2000s as it got to be in the mid 2000s and and now you know it's another level with a lot of guys that are just very very good at, at what they do uh, on, on the road courses while fellow success was hard for anyone to replicate there was another ringer who truly captured the imagination of the nascar fan base here they come now through turn number 13 for the final time up the olympic basin straightaway max pappas looking high looking low boris said throws the block under the bridge here comes pappas they're side by side for the Pap has got to the inside of Sed and he will beat Sed to the chicane. Your new leader off of turn 15 is Mac Pappas with the crossover move by Boris Sed. It'll be side by side all the way to the line. Here they come, a drag race side by side to the stripe by inches, I believe it is Boris Sed. By inches in a drag race that would rival anything that you'd see in the NHRA. Boris Sed in his iconic hairstyle and personality might be the most well-known ringer in NASCAR history. Said burst onto the scene when he won a truck series race at Sonoma in 1998, and then competed in various races in both the Cup and Xfinity series for the next 20 years. The Sen heads were truly able to rejoice when Boris got that elusive Xfinity series win at Montreal in 2010. While those drivers along with Scott Pruitt really paved the way, a win by a relatively unknown driver at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course might have truly spurred the future of road course ringers. Here they come for the final time to the carousel and turn 13 Justin Marks driving for Chip Ganassi Racing looking for his first win ever in the NASCAR Xfinity Series through the carousel he comes now downhill into the left hander turn 13 checkered flag in the air and the mid-Ohio challenge belongs to Justin Marks the win for Justin Marks in the summer of 2016 for Chip Ganassi was viewed by some as something that could be the kickstart to a successful full-time driving venture in NASCAR. Little did we know at the time that Mark's future was in team ownership rather than driving. Mark started Trackhouse Racing in 2021, but really changed things in the sport when he began Project 91 a year later. The program, which fields a third part-time car for the team, was aimed at bringing international drivers to NASCAR. Things got going one year ago with F1 world champion Kimi Raikkonen driving the car at Watkins Glen. Raikkonen then returned at Circuit of the Americas earlier this season, but the crowning moment for the team and the ringers in NASCAR really occurred on the Chicago street course. Up the hill, headed for turn number 12. He'll stand on the brakes, downshift. Here's the car, sets it cleanly, checkered flag in the air in his first ever NASCAR Cup Series start. Shane Van Gisbergen, the New Zealand driver, win 
fans on the streets of Chicago. Shane Van Gisbergen winning the race really took the sport by storm. The multiple-time Australian Supercars champion won in Chicago in his very first Cup Series start. The win might have been made possible by the new next-gen car's similarity to the supercars SVG normally drives. Van Gisbergen backed up the win with a top 10 finish at the Indianapolis Road Course last weekend and is now looking to make the move to NASCAR full-time. While Shane Van Gisbergen might be the one who spurs the next great generation of road course ringers, the New Zealander remembers watching said and other ringers of the past. I knew Boris a bit from the supercar stuff and through Paul Morris, so Boris was great for some advice too about how to come in and and what to expect about from those guys, but I think nowadays with the way the new Gen 7 car is, it's much, not easier, but it's more of an equal footing for a ringer to come in and be in good equipment and, and go out and have a good result. If this past weekend and 2023 as a whole is any evidence of what's ahead on the horizon, the term ringer is going to be used a lot more in the future. And while names like Van Gisbergen, Raikkonen, and Button might be the ones to focus on now, the history of road course aces in NASCAR can't be told without first honoring the likes of Gurney, Fellows, and Said. Thank you, Tim. This weekend at Watkins Glen, we'll have a few more ringers in the field with Mike Rockefeller and Andy Lally. Coming up, NASCAR Xfinity Series title contender Cole Custer will be here. And later, we'll preview this weekend's racing action from the Glen. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. When it comes to road course racing for the Xfinity Series in 2023, Cole Custer has been the driver to beat with wins at Portland and on the Chicago Street Course. This weekend, he'll head to Watkins Glen to do double duty in both the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series. Kim Kuhn caught up with Cole to discuss his season and his growing prowess as a road course racer. Cole, you're coming off a sixth-place finish at the Indy Road Course, and that was after a string of four finishes of 16th or worse, and I know you guys wanted to turn things around. How important was last weekend to break out of that streak, especially as you get ready for the playoffs? Yeah, it was definitely important just because, you know, we've had some good speed the last month or so, but just nothing's gone right. You know, just got, I think we got wrecked in three out of four races and uh, had a vibration one of the races, so we had to pit. So we just... Uh, We've had the speed, we just haven't been able to get the finishes. So um, to get that finish in Indy was definitely important um, to where we could hopefully get things back on track and just get a, a solid finish under our belt, you know? So I think going into the playoffs, you know, I think our team, you know, we have, if we hit things right, there's no reason we can't compete with anybody out there. So just a matter of uh, making sure that we can execute the way we need to. Let's talk a little bit more about the playoffs. We're still four races out, but as we get closer, you know, go a little bit deeper in assessing where your team is compared to what you feel like you need to win a championship this year. You know, I mean, overall, I mean, our road course stuff, I feel like we can compete with anybody out there. Our short tracks, I feel like are really close. 
Um, the mile and a half, I mean, I could say that we maybe need a little bit. You know, I think there are some weeks where, you know, we're just kind of stuck in the top five a little bit and we want that. You know, our team, we want to go out there and we want to win every single race. So all of our guys, like, we, we want to go out there and dominate. So um, for us, we're trying to find that little bit more where we can really go out there and uh, compete for wins how we want to on the mile and a half. But overall, I think... There's no reason why we can't compete with any anybody in the playoffs. The Xfinity Series heads to Watkins Glen this weekend. You mentioned the strength you guys have had on road courses. The stats show it. You've got two wins if we're counting Chicago um, as well. So what's the opportunity ahead of the team to get a third win? Uh, I mean, it's everything right now. You know, we want to try and get as many playoff points as we can just to try and solidify ourselves and, um, really make our lives a lot easier going into the playoffs you know if you can get those wins and playoff points it it'll play huge div- dividends in the playoffs so um, that's pretty much our whole goal right now and hopefully you know if we can get a couple more it would it would mean a lot all guy are driving deep into turn number 10 it's down the one car length he's right there right on the back bumper of cole custer as they go to turn 11 Custer hugs the bottom of the racetrack. Here comes Allgaier looking drivers right off the corner. Here we come off turn number 12. Going to be a drag race to the line. Custer's got the command out in front. Allgaier's on his bumper, but he's not going to get there. Cole Custer, your winner at the Pacific Automation 147 at Portland International Raceway. You were kind of within striking distance, I would say, of the regular season championship before the penalty that came after Michigan. Now it might be a little bit harder. Do you think it's feasible as as having a goal still with four races to go? Or are you more focused on how far up you can move in the standings, knowing that it's not just the regular season champ that gets playoff points? Yeah, I mean, overall, we're mainly focused on just trying to get the playoff points from wins and stage wins. Um, you know, to, to win the regular season championship, well, we would need some help at this point, you know, like, I, and the, the thing that sucks is that I think if we didn't get wrecked all those weeks and uh, have that vibration, we'd be right there at it, even with the penalties. So um, it's just unfortunate. But at the same time, we know we have the speed to compete with anybody and um, we just need to go out there and execute how we need to. When a penalty like that happens, and it's very much due to how the car is set up, it was a, a splitter infraction from Michigan and it's kind of out of the driver's hands. How do you kind of come to terms with that? Uh, I mean, I have full support of my team. You know, I mean, we work really closely together. And, um, JT and all the guys do a great job. And it's just something for us to learn from. And I think, uh, you know, it's just something that we can battle back from. You know, it's not the end of the world. And we can learn from it and make sure that we, uh, you know, as a team, it'll make our, us stronger, that we stay together. And um, we're going to keep fighting to the end. All right, so describe Watkins Glen as we had there this weekend, uh, especially as it compares to other road courses that the series visits. Uh, I mean, it's so high speed. It's, so, it's, it's probably one of the most different road courses that we go to just because it is so high speed. You have to worry a lot more about the aerodynamics of the car. Um, so you have to change things setup-wise to account for that. So um, it's definitely the oddball road course, I would say, if there is one, just because you do bring a little bit different setup there. Um, for the higher speeds but overall I I mean I'm happy with our road course stuff we've been running really good and uh, I think we should have a good shot at this weekend because you guys have been strong on road courses I would think that you're happy there are eight on the schedule this year the most ever you know has that made the season more interesting has it made it better for you guys more challenging how does that affect 
not only preparation, but just the season in general, going back and forth between ovals and road courses? Well, it definitely makes you put a lot of emphasis on it. You know, we've worked really hard on our road course stuff this year to make sure that we're, we have everything that we need going to the racetrack to go and win um, from the, you know, braking and setup and uh, motors and just everything involved. You know, we have a really good road course package right now, I feel like. And um, it just, the thing that comes to road course though, is that there's a lot of chaos. So even if you have a really fast car, things can go wrong with strategy and guys wrecking on restarts and just people going off course and there's just so many variables at road courses that it brings a lot of you know unpredictability so um it definitely jumbles up the season a little bit what's your take on moving this year to not have cautions at the end of stage breaks and you know i, I think we it's different on the xfinity side than it is on the cup side but just overall your thoughts on removing those I like it. You know, it's something where it, it gives uh, more reward to the guys who are running good. You know, the guys who are running good, you can still get stage points and not ruin your day. Um, and overall, it just, it makes it so it's a little bit more interesting for the teams. You know, we can go and try and play some strategy at different points where before it was kind of just the same thing every time where, you know, some of the guys who didn't need stage points, they pit before it. And the guys who did, they stay out. So it just brings a, a different set of strategy for the teams. And I think it, it makes it way more interesting for us. Finally, what's going to be the team's strength when the playoff starts in a few weeks? Uh, but not, not track specific. You mentioned the tracks you felt like, or the types of tracks you feel like the double zero is good at, but in general, looking at what you guys bring, what do you think your strength is going to be over the other guys in the field? I mean, I think for us, it's just, we're a good group of people that, we don't have huge egos, you know, we, we just kind of do our work. I feel like our team communicates really well um, and we're just able to, I think, get to the root of problems. So I think if we can just keep together and keep it rolling, I think there's no reason why we can't compete for a championship. Thank you, Kim. Coming up, we'll hear from some of the favorites heading into Sunday's Go Bowling at the Glen. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Only two chances remain for NASCAR Cup Series drivers without a win to lock themselves into the 16-driver playoff field. What do drivers in that situation like Chase Elliott and Chase Briscoe think of their chances? Kyle Ricky has more. The NASCAR Cup Series regular season is winding down, and so is the summer of road racing. The second half of a road racing back-to-back -back, and the final road course race of the regular season takes place this weekend in upstate New York at Watkins Glen International. The first half of this road course double feature shook up the playoff picture in a big way when Michael McDowell secured his chance to race for a championship with a dominant victory at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. While McDowell has been near the bubble for the past few months, 
He says he always felt as if he was going to need to win, and that win now takes some of the pressure off, and they can head to Watkins Glen relaxed, but ready to win again. Doing what we did today is what we needed to do because I felt like no matter what, there's going to be somebody that wins from behind there. And I'm glad that that somebody was us. We were below the cut line and we won and now we're that person. And so, yeah, it's I haven't let the playoffs settle set in yet because winning here has been so cool. I think tomorrow or um, Tuesday when we think about Watkins Glen and we think about how we don't have to just crush every element, that we could just go there and, and go for the win and have fun, which I think we can do. It's going to be a big relief. The driver who was runner-up this past weekend to McDowell was Chase Elliott. It was the closest Elliott has been to winning this season and continuing his streak of making the playoffs in every season of his Cup career. Many think Elliott has an even better chance of getting that win this weekend at the Glen, a track where he scored his first career Cup Series victory. Elliott says that while this track has been a special place for him in the past, he isn't heading there this weekend, counting his chickens before they hatch. You know, look, it's been good to us, yes. You know, it's a special place. We got, got our first win there. It was a really big deal, absolutely. Um, we've been fortunate to have some good runs over the last three or four years there. Does that mean we're going to go up there next week and light the world on fire? No, it doesn't. Man, I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I wish it did, but it just doesn't. So we're going to prepare this week like we always prepare. We're going to show up prepared at the racetrack um, from a car standpoint and from my standpoint and we're going to go to work and wherever that gets us it gets us the driver who has prevented elliott from getting his third watkins Glen checkered flag the last two seasons is kyle larson the 2021 series champion has won the last two cup races at watkins Glen and is likely to be a contender again on sunday Larson gives a lot of credit for those victories to his Hendrick Motorsports team and thinks they'll bring similar speed this weekend. Well, I don't know. I think Hendrick's had a great... In 21, they they had basically like 2018 to 21 with the old car. They had a great road course package that the 9 was able to develop. And then, you know, we were really fast with it at Watkins Glen. Chase was probably better than us both years. Um, but our cars were really good both years. So, yeah, then going to the next-gen stuff, I think the car the car drove drove great from what I remember last year. I felt like Chase and I were the class of the field for sure. So I hope it's, just, I hope it's the same when we go back because uh, it's always fun when you're fast. While the road racing schedule in NASCAR has greatly expanded in recent years, Watkins Glen is still considered by many to be one of the best road courses for stock cars. One of the features that has made the track so special is the inner loop, better known as the bus stop. How you get through that area of the racetrack can lead to great success or major calamity. Even though Ross Chastain is a Cup Series road course winner, he says he still has a lot of work to do getting through the bus stop. If I knew I would uh, be a lot more successful and have a lot better stats up there in upstate New York. I've struggled in last year with the Gen 7 car, really struggled with how rough the car is and trying to get through there kind of in a fluid motion um, when I feel like I'm just bottomed out and, and hitting parts of the car on the ground really, really harsh. So I feel a lot better in the Xfinity car, the old Cup car, honestly through the bus 
cast off itself than I did last year. So I know that was a, a focus that we talked about after last year. And I know my, my group's been at work on how to soften that up for me a bit to give me a fighting chance to get through there with kind of with my head on straight. Another driver who is looking to draw closer to mastering Watkins Glen is Chase Briscoe. The Stuart Haas racing driver is considered to be one of the better road course racers in the Cup Series, and a win this weekend could turn his entire season around. So what does Briscoe think of his chances to get it done? He's confident, but will like his chances even better if upstate New York gets some rain this weekend. I would say it's kind of middle of the road. You know, it's definitely not the worst one confidence-wise that we go to. I would say that's Sonoma by a lot. It's definitely not you know at the top of the list either I, I would say it's somewhere kind of in the middle you know i feel like if it if it rains then i feel really good about it you know last year in the rain there we were able to to win stage one and be really good in the wet there so if it was to to be wet i feel really good about it you know in the dry i don't feel as good there I, uh i've always been you know good there but never fast enough to really lead or be up front. Um, I'm always kind of at 10th to 12th area, so I definitely need a little bit more there for whatever reason. I just can't seem to, to find it. Will McDowell's win from below the playoff cut line be followed by another from the likes of Elliott or Briscoe? We'll know the answers to that question following the conclusion of the 2023 edition of the Go Bowling at the Glen. That Watkins Glen preview brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, it's been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, Colleg Racing's Matt Swiderski joins the show to tell us what it'll take to get A.J. Allmendinger his first win of 2023. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Just a few weeks ago, A.J. Allmendinger and Colleague Racing were flirting with the playoff bubble and they had a chance to point their way into the playoffs. After a few subpar finishes and two new race winners, A.J. finds himself needing to win at Watkins Glen or Daytona to make the playoffs. His crew chief is Matt Swiderski, and Matt joined our crew call duo of Steve Post and Todd Gordon this morning to discuss what it will take to get the win that would change their entire season. You go to Indy with a lot of hopes and a lot of optimism. Obviously, didn't work out quite the way quite the way it planned. Just kind of kind of describe the way that that uh, race did go and didn't go necessarily the way you wanted it to, Matt. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we actually felt pretty decent when we unloaded in practice and thought our car was was halfway decent and um, learned a few things in practice. Um, thought we were going to be okay. Went into qualifying and. Missed the balance um, and knew that we had dug ourselves a pretty deep hole there. And, and, and once you're that far back, it's it's hard to predict what will happen. Um, so um, race started off okay, made some good adjustments going into the race, and AJ was pretty happy with it. Um, you know, decided to try to move the 12, and and the 12 didn't appreciate it, and uh, didn't didn't end up on the good side of that one. So it happens and we'll just have to move forward from there. <laughs> that does happen. That does happen with McDowell winning. 
Uh, does the Glen become a must win for you or do you split your expectations uh, with the Glen and Daytona? Um, I think we can go out and win either of them, but um, honestly, I, it, it puts me in a more comfortable position because it's, you know, I, I hate having to do the points racing side of it. And, and, and you know, it, it's a lot more fun when you just say, Hey, let, let's go out there, run as fast as we can and try to win a race. And that's, I mean, we all got into this sport because we wanted to win races, not because we wanted to score points. So um, I'm excited for it. just it, not that it takes the pressure off. It's just a different type of pressure. Just go out there and run well and see what happens. When you're building, uh, and, and we all understand with this generation of race car, there's not a lot you can do. Um, the difference between Indy and Watkins Glen, from my perspective, it seems very dramatic. From the car build, from the preparation and everything like that, what are things you're focused on when you look at uh, the unique nature that you have going into Watkins Glen? Yeah, I mean, it, it's still kind of the a lot of the same things we used to do with the Gen 6 that you would see there, like it, because Watkins Glen is such a fast road course. It's just you're carrying a lot of corner entry speed, and so having that stability to be able to to uh, really charge the corners is important. So it's um, it's a lot of the same same types of dials that we're playing with. Um, you know, we don't have as many uh, options on the suspension geometry anymore. Um, but, you know, it's it's the same thing, just kind of a different tweak on the, the recipe a, a bit. AJ went to went to Road America to run the Xfinity car there, had a brake failure um, this weekend. Didn't, I mean, I, I feel like when AJ's in an Xfinity field, I, I'd probably put my money on him. He's, he's pretty darn good at that. The lack of executing or lack of having the success in the Xfinity program, how's that affected your program these last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it definitely affects it when AJ's in the car because, you know, his mood will vary greatly depending on how it's, you know, how it's going on Saturday. And, um, I often, you know, I've talked to Alex Jans, the crew chief on the 10 a lot throughout the weekend. We usually joke about, you know, what kind of mood we're going to send him back to the other guy in. And, you know, you know, I'll try to try to repair his mood. Well, then I obviously didn't repair it in qualifying. So he, he was, uh, <laughs> Not in the best mood to start the Xfinity race, but you know we, we uh, you know it works well because we're we're a close knit team. So Alex and I kind of communicate, and you know not that anything transfers between the cars, but um, at least give each other a heads up of which AJ is going to show up and how mad we've made him. Driver confidence is the piece that you look to build off out of that. And as I looked at the entry list, I think AJ's on the entry list for the Xfinity race at Watkins Glen. Am I am I right in that? No, no, he's actually not. It, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Oh, then yeah. you don't have to worry about Alec sending him back to you in a bad mood. You're you're responsible for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, like, yeah. it's all on me this week. I can't blame any of it on Alex. So, yeah. uh, a serious question on this, and as a broadcaster and a guy that's hanging out in the pits and listening on the radio, love AJ Allmendinger. Okay, yes. but as the guy that's managing the operations, your your driver's talking about retaliating on another guy on the radio. We know how that goes this year. How do you manage that, and how do you how do you manage the team and everything else around all of AJ's fire and passion? Um, with AJ, I think like it, you kind of have to try to balance it out, and I'm you know I'm generally try to be pretty calm. Um, but the biggest thing with AJ is a lot of times he just needs to know that you hear him, um, yeah. and he does a really good job of of uh, resetting. It's it's amazing after the you know, like after the race or after practice when he gets back in the truck. It's, it's 30 seconds to a minute and, you know, it kind of 
everything calms down a bit and you know it's it's the most rational conversation you can have about it so it's um that side of it's good but you know sometimes you have to figure out when he's going to be receptive to information and you want to feed him some information but you know it's not going to go over well so it's a balancing act and you know um had a few years of of trying to perfect it and i don't know that i ever will perfect it but you know it's learning as i go Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Steve. You can hear that full interview when MRN Crew Call drops tomorrow on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, we'll relive one of Tony Stewart's five Watkins Glen victories. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Checker flag about to fly on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we wrap things up, we thought we'd take you back to 2007 and revisit one of Tony Stewart's five Watkins Glen triumphs. Tony Stewart into turn one after throwing it away there earlier in the afternoon, just tiptoes his way through the hard right-hander, up through the gearbox now as he begins the climb up the hill. Tony Stewart, two car links up over Kyle Edwards through turn four. Here comes Stewart, out of the back straightaway, lead in hand for the final time. Unbelievable comeback for Tony Stewart and the Home Depot Chevrolet. If Carl Edwards has anything left, now is the time to take advantage. Downshifting to second gear, hard on the brakes through the inner loop. Stewart, Edwards through cleanly, and Edwards still stalking Tony Stewart. They both sling their cars into turn nine. For the final time, Tony Stewart's lead now, two car lengths, off turn nine to the short straightaway. Carl Edwards is going to try to make one last run. The shot will be at turn number 10, and here he comes. Here comes Tony Stewart. Carl Edwards has to try to outbreak him when they get to 10. He can't do it. In fact, he may go off the racetrack. He does. Tony Stewart, long gone, headed to turn 11 in the win at the Glen. Tony Stewart works through turns 10 into turn number 11 after spinning earlier this afternoon, going back to 20th. He's going to come home and win at Watkins Glen today. What a day for Tony Stewart in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York to hear that race in its entirety. Subscribe to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd like to thank Michael McDowell for joining us on the show this week. Also, our thanks to Cole Custer and Matt Swiderski. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. Don't forget, another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open drops on Thursday, NASCAR Live Race Day on Sunday, and we're right back here 7 p.m. Eastern next Tuesday night for another edition of NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.